Welcome back to Poet in Bangkok. I'm Colin Chaney. And I'm Donald Quist. Every episode, we usually hear the stories of painters, musicians, dancers, and other artists. And usually, Donald and I try to piece together a bigger story about making art in Thailand during a time of alien transmissions, UFOs crashing to Earth, strange Martian flowers, and the suspected danger facing the crew of the Harbinger 2 on Mars. But today's episode is different. On today's podcast, you'll hear two conversations between Colin and I recorded at Bencharasiri Park in Bangkok. A lot has happened since our last episode. Colin and I met shortly after the passing of Thailand's beloved patriarch. His Majesty the King, Punyipon Adunyade. And we send our condolences to all Thai people on the passing of their beloved king. And then we met again a few weeks later, following the results of the U.S. presidential elections. In these park sessions, you'll hear Colin and I reflect on these two events and some of the responses we've witnessed. We share some of our perspectives and the difficulty we've faced finding what to say during a period of mourning and transition in Thailand and the United States. Uh, these park sessions are our attempts to parse our world in the wake of recent happenings that stand to reshape the national and cultural identities of two countries we call home. We also discuss how these moments have affected the production of this podcast. Uh, there have also been personal developments that have given us new things to think about moving forward. When Donald says personal developments he means that colin is leaving thailand (laughs) (laughs) big deal (laughs) yeah um yeah so honestly unrelated to any of the the big events that we're discussing my family and i have decided to move back uh to the united states it's all happening faster than we had anticipated but for reasons of of work and logistics and life we need to we need to get back there uh, in the month of December so this has all happened pretty fast and I think I think Donald it was just like a couple of days before we before we recorded the first session that I, I'd actually figured out that I was moving back if that's right because we because we talked about it that day for the first time maybe right yeah that was that was uh, when you dropped the bomb <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the long and the short of it is my family and I've been in Thailand for six and a half years, and we've been uh, thinking about moving home. And while returning to America after the election of Donald Trump very much complicates our sense of what it means to return <laughs> home, it also gives us, a, my wife and I, a, a real sense of, of purpose in returning home, wanting to be be back there at this really important time uh, in the nation's history and try to contribute there on the ground. Um, and I think as we discuss in the the second hour, the the ironies regarding my feelings of of sometimes of being disenfranchised or unengaged or unable to engage in in uh, Thai culture, Thai society have actually kind of I think weirdly prepared me for um, <laughs> wanting to return back to the US and really and really dig in. We will be continuing the podcast. Donald, do you want to say a little bit about how how we're going to be continuing the podcast? I suppose we're going to do a sort of like a foreign correspondence deal. Um, you're going to be letting <laughs> me know what's going on in America, which is becoming increasingly foreign to me. And just letting me know how things are going there. And I'll let you know how things are 
progressing here in Bangkok and we'll keep talking to guests but I guess we'll see it's a it's a living thing this <laughs> this project yeah we'll be moving to Maine uh, my family cool. and my um, my sister called me in earnest the other day as I was I was leaving a, a, a a doctor's appointment but my sister called me with this great joke that will only really be relevant to people in maine but i'm gonna make yeah. the joke anyway in her honor okay. <laughs> she's like she's like she's like i got the i got the name for your new podcast i got the name for your new podcast it's not poet in bangkok anymore it's poet in bangor ah bangor is a rather large uh i mean internationally renowned city um, <laughs> yeah in, uh, that's right in maine and I expect to get off the uh, the plane in Portland and get my ass kicked by a bunch exactly. of people. Exactly. So, <laughs> Got to watch your mouth now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think, I think that's probably enough about that. Um, so we'll be continuing the podcast and getting ourselves in trouble with uh, with uh, Thai police <laughs> and uh, the Maine State Police as well. Or the local, <laughs> local police of Bangor. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Covering all our bases. I guess with uh, with all this to consider... We didn't really get into what's been going on up on Mars with the Harbinger 2 mission or no. discuss uh, the continued invasion of these Martin, these Martian plants that have spread like alien wildfire from the crash sites around the world, which uh, in Thailand, uh, people refer to these as buckrock. You might have heard us mentioned it, uh, mentioned this word on earlier podcasts. And now I can see them overgrowing the streets buildings canals yeah. everywhere um different parts of bangkok are just infested with these things they are beautiful um, but it is they are it is, they are beautiful it is a little wild it's a little wild to wrap your head around yeah. Uh, right yeah which and this reminds me uh colin what are you planning to do with that buck rock plant growing on your balcony uh the one you got from chato <laughs> truck market what are you gonna do with that my, I'm, I'm going to give it to you, Donald. I'm going to give you my really? my buckrock plant. It's th it's thriving. It's it's flourishing. I don't know if okay. we're not giving it enough to to eat or the right. I don't know what you're supposed to feed an alien an alien flower, but uh, it. I mean, it's not it's not overgrowing our balcony. It's growing it's growing well. It's kind of entwining with the uh, papaya sapling. Um, so cool. I think I'm I'm just gonna. You know, so you just hire a guy with a van or get a motorcycle taxi <laughs> to come okay. by and pick it up and. Uh, well, so. that's cool, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, you bet. I'm honored. Sure. I'm honored. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess we should just jump in, right? Yeah, so this, this session was recorded on November 4th, a, a few weeks after the passing of uh, King Punyabon Adunya Day. And we found ourselves in a park. Uh, to set the scene, We it's a park that's nestled amongst a number of mall complexes to the uh, east and north and to the west a uh, theoretically temporary amusement park thing called uh, Dinosaur Planet. It has <laughs> animatronic uh, dinosaurs that, that roar through some parts of the day. And it was a beautiful day, and we sat on a park bench underneath some trees. And a running theme through both of the, the sessions that, that we weren't expecting is the vitality of the terrestrial ecosystem uh, yeah. We observe some of the, the life that is going on around us right there in the park. Um, there's a very large man-made pond, and then there's a smaller uh, heart-shaped uh, pond that we uh, 
we talk about through both of the uh, through both yeah. of the segments, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, you know read nothing into you know any of the <laughs> uh, any of our discussion of the the natural ecology. Yeah. So without further ado, this is our November fourth, two thousand sixteen park session. So Donald, where, where, where are we sitting here? Uh, right now, we are sitting in a delightful park overlooking a little man-made lake. And behind me is a turtle struggling desperately to escape. Oh my god! Yeah, a turtle trying very hard to escape a uh, fountain that somebody has put him in. It's, like a, it's become his prison. But it's really, I think, a metaphor for Sisyphus. This turtle keeps trying to get out. Just, the struggle's real, y'all. <laughs> Struggles really are. Yeah, he he finds these different corners. I've watched him different days, and he finds these different corners of the thing, and he kind of stares at it. And then he gets himself like right now. He's he's got his front legs up over the concrete side and his head, and then he stretches his head and his body, and then he just goes back up again because again, there's like no pivot point. He's trying to get his anyway. We could try to pull him out, but. Yeah. Don't turtles have salmonella? I don't. I don't know. I don't want to mess with the national order of things. So. Yeah. If I touch the turtle, like, what if it wants this? Like, what if this is its purpose, its job? You know? Am I affecting the the natural ecosystem? Yeah, we didn't know we were going to see that when we came to the park. So Donald and I thought we might chat a little bit about what's been going on. So. Uh so what's been going on? <laughs> what's been going on? Since the event, everyday little things have been affected. They're like all these ripples. All of my students, many of my students are changing um, in front of me, and they're becoming more nationalistic. So at the end of the semester, I have a presentation. Uh, the kids have to choose a cause or a charity and try to persuade the other students in their class to agree. Um, so it's like argumentative speech or a persuasive speech. And so a few of the topics that I've gotten suggested, that students have suggested so far, are why Thai people should not marry foreigners. Wait, how is that a charity or a cause? <laughs> Another one was uh, one... Wait, wait, are you saying they don't, they don't acknowledge that that's not a charity or a cause? They... So I guess it was my own fault. I was like, you know, a cause, like something you fight for. And they're like, yeah, I'm fighting for ties not mingling with other races. I mean, they could date, but they can't marry and they can't have babies. And I, so I asked the student, why? Um, because they might leave Thailand if they marry somebody who's foreigner. And I was like, what if, so what if they leave Thailand? And I'm like, well, then they can't contribute like the king did. I'm having a lot of speeches about national pride, why Thailand needs to be more nationalistic. And then one student wanted to argue why we should punish people more strictly if they do not wear colors of mourning. So, suppose we're black. During the, the period of mourning, the 30-day period of mourning um, for the whole country, before the year-long period of mourning. But yeah, trying to more strictly punish people who do not wear certain colors. Uh, my wife pointed this out in the in the mall, you see that all the like high-end shops, like Chanel and uh, Gucci, and they've all put their black 
dresses and suits out. But I've noticed I've noticed that there are a great deal that's, that somehow it is appropriate to wear black t-shirts with white Superman or bat yes. symbols on it. That seems to be an appropriate garb. Yeah, I, I keep seeing Misfits shirts. Uh, <laughs> so I keep seeing like Hot Topic Misfit shirts. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is kind of strange. It's sort of surreal. Just a skeleton face everywhere. But um, yeah, and also the price of black clothing has gone up. Um, my wife's having trouble finding stuff. One of my students, um, her presentation is about how on the weekends she's been volunteering to dye clothes for uh, people who are, I guess, underprivileged or people that don't have enough money to get together a, um, a, a black shirt. So she's been dyeing people's clothes over the weekend. So I thought that was kind of nice. So she's going to persuade other students to join her. And then my wife had this... She was out um, in Pink Clow, and there was this old man trying to buy a shirt, and the shirt was 100 baht, and he, he didn't have 100 baht. And so uh, the person told him, this isn't enough, and then he said, no, I, will, I, I want it. I, I, will give you, I will find a way to get this money. And so a line had formed behind this dude, and so people started saying, oh, we'll buy it for you, and he said, no no, I need to do this. I need to do this for the king. And so my wife started to cry. He was just so passionate. Uh, I think people dying clothes is a pretty sweet thing to do. Uh, I admired, she's one of my latest, laziest students. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, you're all right. You're okay. Extra credit. <laughs> yeah. I saw somebody referring to this online. Uh, Kitty Pond actually posted something. Uh, one of the guys we interviewed on the podcast writer posted something um i think it was maybe australian magazine or something but it was sort of about like they refer they referred to as micro fascisms i think i think or i think that was the term um which i think in like critical theory is like a thing you know the, I, I found myself at first like the can't like my one of my daughter's friends was gonna have a birthday at a soccer field and that was canceled halloween was canceled I just, I find that I have, I, I guess on the one hand, statement of the bloody obvious, on the other hand, I guess it's the only thing to say, is that I have no reference point for, for this sort of mourning, this sort of collective mourning, and I think it, it is a little hard, I mean, it's, it's hard to wrap my head around the, the, the mourning of the king, because I don't have a king, and America's kind of whole point was not having a king, so there's that, right? And then, but then there's that real sort of sense of, of collective, like, of the collective mourning, and then the sense of, like, well, is there actually uniformity in the understanding of what is being mourned? One of our previous guests, uh, Note, yeah, Note Dude Sweet. Uh, have you been keeping up with him? Okay, so Note's uh, thing over the last few weeks, he's he's been deeply affected by the loss, and he's been getting angry angrier and angrier online um, and he keeps reminding foreigners that we don't understand we don't understand and so I guess I am just trying to stay mindful of that that I have no frame of reference for this and that if it seems weird to me if anything does seem strange to me I I mean this is unprecedented even for Thai people um, and so stuff's getting figured out now so 
I guess really, um, note is just reminding people that they should keep their mouth shut. <laughs> I find that really ironic coming from note. Um, I don't know, his wall is... He's, he's posting some things that are actually making me afraid and fearful and scary. And there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to get into about this writer who I don't, don't think exists um, called Tony Cartolucci. All right, so um, people like uh, Note, some of my other royalist friends keep sharing articles by this guy who there's no picture of him. Okay, It just says that he is a Bangkok-based reporter he writes for these uh russian papers online and nobody's ever met him but he 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 writes stuff that i think is dangerous genuinely dangerous um things that tell people that they should push foreign reporters out of their country um and it's almost because it's a foreign sounding name tony cartolucci people can say well here's a farang who gets it you know and if he says it's okay then i mean it's it's pretty much i think it's a a person that was invented for confirmation biased i think that's all this is i think it's online troll and i keep seeing um thai intellectual friends share his stuff these unresearched poorly written documents um that condone violence that condone uh nationalism and it's scary it's scary how many times i see his name google it it's it's creepy how often tony's name comes up um and he's not i don't think he's a real person at all at all it's it's frightening but there there was that uh minister of something or the one of the police chiefs saying that that free plane free plane tickets will be offered to any foreigners that that feel that they need to criticize the king which i suppose is actually a rather progressive stance of saying if you need to you can do it but then we're going to give you a plane ticket so of course my wife sent that and she was like well this is one way home but no it is scary and it is and it is hard to and i don't know i mean i guess i i never know the right i suppose the right moment to, to sort of push against that idea of that exceptionalism right and it's just like I don't know. I think I think any sort of moment where you say like only I can understand this or only we can understand this, only my kind can understand this. I think that that just creates, you know, that just creates super problematic precedents and 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 structures for conversation. And so there's a way in which I'd say, well, yes, I think in this situation it is it is so exceptional because it's a modern nation that has a king and that king is the longest reigning monarch and that king has a very particular relationship with the country and that the passing of that of that king and the uncertainty of the future like that is singular and that is exceptional but there i what i keep seeing like for example there are these mobs that have been um, popping up that have been attacking people like uh you have videos of an old woman getting slapped on the bus um a guy in a purple shirt getting dragged through the street um and i'm thinking this is completely opposite of the man you are mourning this goes against that memory and I, I just don't see in people's mourning in their anger why why they can't see that I don't imagine him wanting to see you slap an old woman in the face because she's not wearing black or because she's saying something I, I just don't see that I, I just can't
I can't wrap my mind around that. I get people hurting, but I just can't get it. Um, but I mean, on I think Note has been a has been an interesting person to to, to follow on Facebook because they're I think one of the first things I saw him post in you know like maybe a week after um, the king passed posted something that was like a Guardian article or maybe a BBC article that that didn't even seem to be to be that critical. It was more just pointing out the how the the structure of how the kingship works here or whatever and you know his his reply was like why do the foreign media why does foreign media hate us so much and there was this long string and like at one point you know some i think one of the, the other posters was pointing out like well like the less majeste law and the way that that's enforced and 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 note you know accurate you know on the one hand accurately said um well there's a difference between the king who said that he should be able to be criticized and then the, the people who are using it as a way to, to reinforce power. It's like on the one hand, he was expressing that, uh, which seems very logical and very... But on the other hand, he is also expressing these views that seem to suggest that actually you should not criticize. So, I mean, I guess when I'm feeling full-hearted, I, I think, like, it must be so... Oh, do it! Do it, turtle! Do it, turtle! You're almost there! You're almost there! Keep going! Keep going! You're almost there! No, he's not gonna do it. He's not gonna do it. He's gonna fall back in. That was, he was really close. He was, he probably had three quarters of his shell out of the water. He almost had it there. Come on, don't just go there and help him out. What's your problem? Be big hearted. Uh, when, I, when I'm feeling big hearted, I, I can understand that it must be so hard to hold all of the things that are true about this present moment and about the, the, the dominant structures here and the, how many narratives and how many realities are kind of bundled into that figure, right? That must be super, super complicated to, here comes one of the, the, the um, black, well, that's a sparkly one. She's got the sparkly t-shirt. No, she's got the black t-shirt with the sparkly um, house of L. Uh, Superman uh, insignia. So I, I, I get that, but it, it... I don't know. So I don't know whether it's... In, it's out, I mean, so I guess that confusion is understandable, but as you say, when that confusion then transfers, translates into, like, punching a woman in the face for that disrespect, it just seems like that... I mean, whatever, it's human nature, but... Yeah. I'm just trying to keep my head down, make sure... I'm very careful about how I dress each day. I got my ribbons ready. So I've been, uh, I've driven by the Grand Palace a few times because it's close to the area where I live. Um, one of the amazing things about it is it's been a steady stream of thousands of people for days now. Um, but one of the most remarkable things about it is it's almost like this great equalizer. Um, all of a sudden you see people dressed in all black with Hermes crocodile bags next to homeless barefoot people, um, both lying in the shade, trying to escape the heat, accepting the free meals being distributed. And it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of remarkable to see. It's just, uh, it kind of makes me, it's, it's, it's beautiful in a way. This thing has happened that affects people on every level from every social class and they're just equal when they go pay respect to the king. The same poor people, so they let in 150 people at a time and poor people can get in next to people with Mercedes Benz and they all bow together. So that's been 
it's been beautiful to see how it's brought people together. But also, it's also equally divisive. I saw that uh, Bangkok, or Thailand has asked Interpol for help catching um, people that break Article 112 <laughs> who live away from outside of Thailand. Um, and we'll see if Interpol helps. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm not sure about that. I think they might have other things. Um, but, yeah. Let's see, he's almost out, but he can't. If his legs were just strong, he's now probably three quarters of the way out. He's really stretching. He's just, I just don't think he can't get the pivot point. Because he can't get the under, he can't get the under part of his shell to the halfway point. That's the problem. He can only get it to about the third. Yeah, anyway. Like a stick or something? Yeah, I tried, I tried that. I tried putting some sticks in there the other day, and he didn't, he didn't like them. I was trying to explain how it worked to him, but he didn't understand. <laughs> um, you know, going back to this whole like, <laughs> can you be happy thing? Do you think he's happy? He has a purpose, right? He has a job to do, and when you have a job to do, you're, you, well, at least maybe he's like content with this mission to escape this this fountain. Has his whole life been in the fountain? Will his life be better outside of the fountain? Isn't he safe in the fountain? I don't know. I don't know what he thinks is outside the fountain. I don't know whether, does he, is he aware? Because from that vantage point, I guess when he gets all the way up, he could probably see down and see that there's a big lake in front of him. So maybe he, it's like one of the big problems in cosmology for cosmologists who study the nature of the universe is that there's, it's, there's, certain, there's certain thought that it's theoretically probable that we live in a multiverse, not in a universe, and that at the moment of the Big Bang, uh, an infinite number of universes was created and not a single universe. And in each of those universes, there'd be different, uh, the laws of nature would be different. The problem is you cannot test for what's happening in another universe. So I see him sort of getting, I think that's what he's doing. He's like, he's peak, there's that, there's that famous picture where the guy kind of is at the edge of the universe and he sort of picks up the drape and he kind of pokes his head under. I think that's what we have here is we have the, the turtle is, he's, he has, he, yeah, he sees that there is another universe out there. So, yeah, maybe we should envy him. We should envy him. Yeah, that got deep. Yeah. <laughs> this turtle knows, you know, he's, he's seen further than we have. Yeah. So in that context, I don't know, is, is he content now that he knows that there's another universe? Is he, is he even more existentially sad because he can't get there? If he, if he had just, if he just stayed in the fucking pond. Just keep your head down, man. Just like that is so true. So now he knows there are other worlds. I mean, now he's not content anymore. We should have made the fountain higher. <laughs> <laughs> Just build a wall. Build a wall. Um, oh yeah, that's gonna happen. The Cubs won. Breaking an 108-year curse. That was 2016 is terrifying in that everything seems possible, and that is both hopeful and deeply deeply troubling anything can happen anything can happen you know my wife and i have decided that we are going to be leaving thailand and there have been moments where i've been so sort of anxious and stressed like certain hours of the day and i honestly cannot figure out whether whether i'm i'm anxious and stressed because of the move or they're anxious and stressed because of the everything happening before the election or whether like the the stress is like cross-pollinating you know whether like I wouldn't be as stressed about the election if I wasn't moving or if like if you know 
or vice versa. And, but it's extremely stressful and I cannot, I cannot get rid of it. And I suppose, I don't know, maybe, maybe multiply that by 10 and I get the, get the, the sadness or the mourning. I just wonder how much you think the, the way that people are mourning now, again, knowing that it's so complicated, but what is, what is built into that and what is, what, what is being mourned um, exactly. How much of that do you think or, or do you get a sense from, from, from Pete and her family? Like, how much of, of the mourning is, is, is the mourning of the passing, and, but also an expression of anxiety for the future? It's 100% about the morning and nothing else. <laughs> All right, there you go. You heard it here, folks, yeah. on this bench. I'm going on record saying it's all about the morning. There's no reason for it to be about any anxieties about what's to come. Why would they be anxious about every single thing about their life changing? New money, new currencies, new way of life. No, they're not anxious about that. It's all about the morning plain and simple anyone else that asks you that is a liar there are going to be some massive changes incredible changes um that i think people haven't even begun to fully process it is i mean it is one of the things that makes that morning period so like the year-long morning period so functionally interesting (laughs) because it it's it's a buffer So this guy's got interesting. I don't know. I don't think that's regulation. That's like a light blue slash gray Nirvana shirt that probably was Urban Outfitters. What do you think? Also, it has the smiley face on it that could be misinterpreted. So he's playing a dangerous game right now. Yeah. I definitely have. I'm definitely wearing graphic tees, but I try to make my graphics uh, un. Interesting. My wife's favorite shirt now is her poet in Bangkok shirt. She wears that like six times a week. I don't. I guess I did want to ask, like, whether you could could imagine, and I really do mean this, like, personally, like, not as an American, just personally. Like, can you imagine feeling a comparable sense of public, of, of sort of participating in, in such a public mourning? Can, is, can you, is there, is there someone, I mean, the only, the only thing I, I have been able to think of, it's perhaps obvious and clearly in in exact and in exact comparison but would be if if something happened uh to obama while he's still in office right like that if if he met with some with violence i can imagine feeling a sense of mourning for my sense of him as a man my sense of him as being part of his family my sense of of him as a in the office, like just in terms of him being the president and being the office and what that means for the country in terms of like a sense of, of general stability and a general sense of being, of being unified. But then also certainly in terms of the, all, you know, the, the added layer of, of him being a black man, you know, how that would then, part, how that, I think I would find myself also mourning that. This reminds me of uh, episode of Mad Men where uh, President Kennedy gets shot. Similar reactions that I saw in that episode are things that I've seen here now. Yeah, the loss of somebody that's hugely important to how your nation functions. That's a part of your national identity. That's about like uh, 
the most I can imagine it. <laughs> An episode of Mad Men. Someone was saying to me that, who was saying this? It was, a, it was an American friend who was talking to a British friend of hers, and she was reflecting on when Princess Diana died. Oh. And there was that sense of loss of her as a, as, a, as a person, as a mother, and sort of the storybook quality to her public narrative. And she also, you know, this, this, this British woman was also saying how those days, the entire city of London smelled of lilies because there were so many people that were were leaving white lilies around the city. Um, and that, you know, that, that, that really kind of, I don't know why, but that really sort of brought that, that home for me. The animals in this park are so friendly. Um, they come up like a Disney cartoon. They're completely unafraid of humans. This pigeon wants to hang out. I'm pretty sure if I stuck my finger out, he'd fly to it. But then it's a pigeon, so <laughs> rats with wings. This park is, it's, it's a really nice park, and we bring our kids here. And they're, they, they were nice enough to put some, um, they put like botanical signs. They're mostly in Thai, but they have some English uh, names and Latin names. And uh, there's one tree that doesn't have a uh, sign on it. And I, had, I spent some time looking it up because it has this, this green fruit. It's right behind us, I'll show you. And it, it often falls, and it sort of looks like a coconut. And my daughter, when she was little, she would go and she would like pick these up and shake them and carry them around. And I was just, uh, I think that was still probably during my anxiety disorder. So I, would, I, I, look, found, I looked it up, and, and again, this is the sort of thing that when I was depressed and when I was anxious was exactly the sort of thing that gave me evidence that indeed like my mind was rewriting the world because you know I had this anxiety where she was picking it up and I was like oh I'm sure there's something bad with that then the other part of my brain would be like oh but Colin it's just like it's just the way your brain works it's like there's nothing wrong with it it's just the world it's just fine it's in a park looked it up and that tree is called the pong pong tree um, and it is also known as the suicide tree because the seeds of that tree are incredibly poisonous and they're used uh, and people like it? it's over here behind us and it has a beautiful white flower and uh, it's like in the Indian state of Kerala a couple years ago there were 300 reported cases of suicide um, you can order them online as ornamental things and they're unregulated so it was a woman in Seattle I think that died from eating one of these and I think it was ruled a suicide but it was also like year, you know years ago it was also used by assassins um, because it's like tasteless and so it's very it's like very hard and it's like in the park it's one of the ornamental trees and like you know and mostly the 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 fruits when they fall are not open but i'm just like oh fuck me <laughs> i was like i'm right my depression is right my depression sees the world appropriately <laughs> it validates everything yeah i have to see this tree though like uh i might have to take a few seeds crush my enemies crush your enemies yeah before before at the end of season one of the podcast we were trying to think about what we were going to do with for the podcast in season two and part of that was a generalized anxiety about speech and about whether we felt like doing a podcast about free speech um and not talking about politics or or or, or constantly looking over our shoulder metaphorically in interviews or when we're editing um you know, we, we didn't want to do that, but then, you know, could we really do a podcast on that subject and and be editing ourselves so much? And so we were making some efforts in season two. We have been making some efforts in season two already to be trying to not get directly into talking about politics. And then this event occurs. And, like, how do you think about speech 
for yourself right now, either privately or in the in the context of the podcast or you know when we were having a discussion about how this proceeds well the decision almost gets made for us after this event so okay so if before we were worried about crossing some invisible line now the line moves <laughs> it, it waves back and forth it could go anywhere it can you could cross it at any moment and you don't even know what you're so it's it's gotten even worse I would say and so I'm gonna just go ahead and talk about a guest that I wanted to have on um, I wanted her on and I asked her to do an interview and she just straight up told me you shouldn't post Poet in Bangkok for a while you shouldn't do it for a while as she said anything that could even be considered remotely political could be in trouble I'm looking at the turtle and he got up on the fucking island. Well done about that, but I think that maybe that's what gives him hope is he can climb up on that little like island made of potted plants that somebody threw in the middle of the thing. That's where he sees into the next universe over. That's where he understands the concept of the multiverse. Yeah, like uh, this this theater company that I know, they had to cancel their shows and they, they, they are starting up again at the end of the month. Well, they're bold. <laughs> they're bold. So yeah, uh, when it happened... Like the day after, Pete looks at me and she says, "Are you still going to do Poet in Bangkok?" And I was like, "Yeah, I would. I would like to." She's like, "Okay," and she just didn't talk to me about it. So then I send out emails, um, trying to get guests on, no responses, radio silence. Um, we were supposed to be interviewed by a Bangkok-based paper. Um, they say no. <laughs> It was organized. We were going to interview with them. And he, they send a polite email saying, we're not going to talk to you. And without rescheduling. So that makes you worry. Like, that makes you nervous. We've tried so hard to be fair and careful. And in the end, it doesn't even, it, it might not even matter. And then you start to wonder, what is this for then? Like, what am I doing it for? I'm doing it so I can express myself. But if I can't, ex if I'm worrying so much about expressing myself, then what is the point of it? So yeah, it's made me wonder what is, how does a podcast function in my life? Is it doing what I want it to do? Where's it going? If if it's a podcast about, if it's a podcast about making art, and right now, just the idea of making art is could potentially get you in trouble. I don't know, it's funny, because it moment, it's at moments like this where I feel like, you know, the, the, the function of the podcast, uh, you know, being, being about personal expression, and to a certain extent about our personal expression and, and ex exploration of our thinking, you know, the other, the other primary function, right, is, is, is the function of understanding and then communicating understanding, right? Like imp improving our understanding of the arts in Thailand and then trying to communicate communicate that right and I think there's it's moments like this where I'm like oh yeah this is it's exactly what our podcast should be looking into right now like our podcast right now should be we should be going and talking to gallery owners and we should be talking to artists if our podcast has any actual function that is its function is to at a moment like this how do you figure that out but as you say it just it, it politics is inherent in art I'm, I'm real I've discovered that through the podcast it's inherent to it so like I want to ask Dino Dino are you still doing shows is uh, the reading room still open? Is Gio still having events? 
So I mean, I, I've, I've been thinking about like whether we could we could interview some foreigners, Farang, guests. I'm sure we, I'm sure we could. People, people, people like feeding squirrels here. There's a dude. I don't think he's here anymore. He was here when we came in. Actually, I don't know if you saw him. The bird dude. Yeah, he sits here. And, and uh, bird dude, bird dude, he's got some stuff to teach you about life. Bird dude, he knows what's up. And epidemiology. Okay. <laughs> so since we recorded in the park, the crown prince Mahiwachi Rangnakon has assumed the throne as King Rama X of the Chakri dynasty. The royal succession was completed Thursday, December 1st. Um, we still have many more months of mourning, but here at Poet in Bangkok, we've already witnessed um, joy expressed by the Thai people in this momentous occasion. The next recording was done on Friday, November 11th, just a few days after the U.S. presidential elections. Interestingly, you'll notice, dear listeners, uh, that there are many parallels to our earlier discussion in the park. And our turtle friend makes another appearance. Uh, so here's our second park session. So Donald, do you wanna you wanna say where we are here? Um, we've returned to the park. Um, we are overlooking a nice little man-made lake. Once again, there's a fountain um, with our friend the turtle trying to escape from his man-made prison as we all are um and yeah it's a pretty good day we're under the shade of a a viney tree um i don't see any buck rock around so that's pretty good we haven't, we haven't really talked all that much about about what happened in the united states of america i've struggled to know how to communicate with people about what has happened is that a is that a little lizard it's a little water monitor, or what is that? Yeah, I think that's a, a monitor lizard, which it's a little one. Oh, he's gonna go. He's gonna go bother this uh, bother this turtle. I don't know who would win there. So yeah, I just I find feel like I just I feel this sense of I feel this sense of 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 honest surreality of of honest despair and this sort of like I feel like I'm on this edge of of hopelessness that. I feel like I have no parallel for like even when even when like family members have been have been you know like when my grandfather was uh, when I was getting news my grandfather was in the hospital and 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 dying uh, when my when my father w- yeah, was going into surgery and was on you know or the weeks after that like even that I find like I I, I I was not at the same level of just like I cannot quite I can't fathom what has happened and I can't I can't get around this sort of like this this core of um of 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 despair because it just the consequence as you say like the consequences of what has happened are so myriad <laughs> and they just are fractaling right and it just seems that that no one 
Oh, the monitor lizard's up on the up on the edge of the. He's up on the concrete edge. So oh. he's snorkeling around there. He's like about what, like a foot and a half? No, like two feet. Turtle. No, he's good. Turtle. Godzilla thing. Turtle hide. I don't know. I don't know who wins. Maybe the turtle can do this. He's a snapping turtle. This. this really. Yeah. Oh, so I'm definitely not gonna help. Make him hurt. <laughs> oh, he's going down on the hedge there. Um, he's got that nice long black tongue. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, don't, I mean, do you, I guess, I guess, I'm curious. Like, do you do you feel that same sense of? Do you feel that same sense of despair and and hopelessness, or do you feel like you have a bit more of, a bit more of a sense of context or? It's kind of uh, strange because uh, my wife and I uh, we had a little bit of a fight, um, and she asked me why I don't why I'm not more upset. And then I told her something that made her even sadder, I guess. Um, I told her I've never been given a reason to believe America would do anything other than what they did. Um, my life in America has only, I guess, has prepared me for this. I never, I, I, I mentioned this before, I thought he would win the popular vote. Their heads are like a, like a foot away from each other right now. <laughs> You're either communicating telepathically. I think so. I feel like there's some type of uh, some type of communication going here. They have to be aware of each other, right? No, nope, maybe not. Pheromones. Do they have pheromones? Of course they have pheromones. I'm such an idiot. I have a degree in environmental studies, and I don't know if <laughs> reptiles have pheromones. Because I don't know anything, and science doesn't cover anything anymore. Um, and I get that some people chose... Trump for their reasons. Um, I, I can't say all Trump supporters are racist, but knowing knowing who who he represents, or knowing the people, other people that support him, I just don't see how you can knowingly encourage and empower that part of the population. Um, and so, I guess I'm dealing with it because. Whatever comes next, it's an America that I've seen before. It's an America that I've always known. Um, I guess that's that's sad to hear, but I, it doesn't. I guess I'm not surprised to hear you say that. But I guess I guess I'm curious. Do you? I mean, I found myself. I was lying in bed last night, like you know, trying to communicate a little bit with some with some friends on my stupid handheld handheld device. And I was I was messaging with uh, with Kathy McLeod, uh, episode one, Boat in Bangkok podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> eh, fuck me. Uh, so I was messaging with her, and she's she's been having a rough she's been having a rough time with it yeah. too. And she, um, you know, she she said a lot of things. You know, she was saying like, uh, you know, she's just having a hard time. She's feeling very despairing about it. She's she's having a hard time. She uh, also we talk a lot about our struggles with anxiety and with depression, and she was saying how she's been having a hard time convincing herself out of that that anxiety and depression mindset of that she thought it would happen and therefore she made it happen. But yeah, she's having she's having a hard time with that sense of like of creating the reality um, and. I felt I feel like what I feel like where I'm at right now is that I feel like I 
I just didn't understand my country. I knew that that that, that hatred and and the the prejudice and the, the the fear that leads to that misguided, in my mind, misguided hope, or that that fear that leads to hate. I saw that. I guess I just. I, I don't know. I guess I just felt like it was it was contain, contained, or I don't know what the right word is, but like like has it always been the same, and now it's just manifest, or it's it's always been there, but it's now actually been been growing and growing and being fed. Yeah, I, I feel like it's always been there, and now was a opportunity to galvanize it. The majority of America is white, right, um, and. For the last eight years, they've had this fear that they were being forgotten and that they were being attacked, you know. And so they've always had that anger, always had that hatred. And so when they had a, a rod to, like, collect it together to pick up all these different intersections of people that feel dis- disenfranchised, it was able to manifest. It was able to grow larger. And I feel like... Just in the last day, the stuff coming across Twitter, the stuff people are already encountering, it's going to be a rough four years. Um, swastikas are appearing on people's homes in South Philadelphia. People are getting beat up. They can come out of the shadows now. The, the media had done a good job of making them feel like uh, you shouldn't be this way. Right. Yeah, um, this is embarrassing. You're, set, you're taking us back. Well, when all of a sudden you find out every like a bunch of other people think like you, you now are way empowered. And so the stuff we're going to see over the next few years is going to be dark. I think very dark. Um, another thing I think that happened is in the last... Obama's been very active in the last two years. His second term was a lot more active. He got a lot of shit his first four years for not doing stuff at a faster pace. And then I guess when he got closer to the end, he decided let's knock this stuff out. And now I, I'm hoping people that were judgmental of his first term see kind of why he felt like he had to go slower. Because when you make a lot of change very quickly, this is a lot of people are calling this the white lash. And that's kind of exactly what it feels like. I was looking at uh, uh, his speech the day after and reading the live stream comments. And you had people comment, commenting, saying things like, well, um, you Jay-Z's and Beyonce's thought we weren't, we wouldn't come for you, and now we're coming for you. Um, Hanger up, like, killery and all this stuff. They're definitely feeling empowered now. You can't say, they're, they're writing that live. Like, they don't care. They're not using troll names anymore. It's like Bill Preston. Like, it's, they're coming out the shadows. Um, um, and then people are, People, what's really pissing me off is people telling people to calm down. You don't know what it's going to be like. Calm down. He could be a great president. It's literally impossible. That is actually impossible. <laughs> you can't tell people to calm down. You can't. Like, it's more. It's more likely that this turtle will get out of this fucking pond exactly. than it is. Uh, and he's not even trying today. He's just like. <laughs> he knows. He's just like fuck this. I'm gonna just. I'm not gonna try to be a good president. I'm just gonna stay in the. <laughs> Why would we assume he would be? anything other than what he's claimed to be up to this point he has no knowledge of what he's doing like he truly doesn't everybody just needs to buckle up this is not oh last two days it's been hard as hell to teach so people around the world know that this was a mistake i have students asking me why 
I had two Russian kids. Russians. <laughs> They're saying, hey, your country have, um, voted Trump. That guy's crazy. <laughs> Said the Russians. <laughs> How Like, kids asking me why. I don't... There are so many reasons why. I And so I keep getting literally i've been yelled at um they don't mean to yell at me but they're just so excited and confused and hurt because this affects the world everybody's looking at us like we're crazy everybody keeps sharing that meme like brexit was the most embarrassing vote in human history america here hold my beer <laughs> like this is don't worry we got this we'll we'll show you crazy what did he find Oh, the dude just... Nice eye, man. What did you see there? Um, I saw a bully take out a... <laughs> take out a smaller creature. The The water monitor... Woo, the water monitor dove into the bushes and strangled the frog to death and is now trying to escape with his prey. Um, brutal. Frog seems to still be alive. The turtle's watching uh, in horror um, as his friend is carried off. Uh, <laughs> it's just another sad day in the circle of life. Um, and there he goes with his boon. Oh, he's, he's, uh, I guess the frog is struggling against it and the water monitor is twisting to rip his head off and so a lot of uh, a lot of allegory here a lot of there's a there's a lot of allegory here in the park you know we've been getting and it's mostly from no, it, no it's it's entirely it's in, it's entirely from people either non-americans or or americans that have chosen to live in thailand we've i've been getting definitely like some of the first messages before anything else they've been saying things like are you still moving back? Are you sure you still want to move back? And I admit, I find that an, I find that an incredibly maddening yeah. question. Not because it's a. An, okay, now what we have here is we have a bunch of the the uh, mina birds, the common minas. There's five of them that are now standing around the monitor lizard, hoping to get a piece of the monitor lizard is tearing apart the the frog at the base of this tree. And I think the uh, the, the minas. Well, now they're leaving, but I think they thought they could get a piece of that action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, it's oh, you killed it. Oh, let me get a piece. I didn't. I don't have to work for it. I'll just. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I just. I've, been, I've just found that maddening. That sense of like of, do you really want to go back to that place? As though it is confined to that place. Yeah. As though the consequence is confined to that place, right. and as though it like it just it further emphasizes the attitude that I have found is among certain expatriates here in Thailand and, and I think it's an expatriate attitude in general of just this sort of sense of like it's make believe yes. like this is make believe life you have removed yourself from from being responsible to other to others to having a common bond to others to to pay you know paying taxes or you know like you just you you remove yourself from the responsibility of citizenship and and I understand it. I mean, I, I mean, I understand the impulse because I have definitely, like, you know, it's occurred. Like, my wife and I have definitely sort of said to each other, like, is this smart? Like, is this, you know, is this smart for us? Is this smart for our kids? Like, you know, and and I just can't see. I can't see any ethical or moral reason to say, you know what? Like, no, we're going to stay here. Like, we're going to we're going to keep we're going to keep out of that mess. 
in other words, like going back on our plan, it's not like I can't see a reason why you would stay in Thailand in general because there's perfectly good reasons to do that. But um, I'm hopeful the idea that you and Anna are going back, America's going to need people like you too. And I th- I've told you this um, part of what's coming next, what I believe will come next. It's going to be a fight. You know, it's going to be a fight, um, like a moral, ethical, philosophical <laughs> fight. And so you need informed, compassionate people in the states that will actually do stuff. Uh, 49% of the American population did not vote, you know. Um, so, like, a huge, a huge part of America is apathetic, potentially good people. So knowing that, you know, America will get two eventually four more compassionate active people that gives me hope you know that's hope. well thanks man i appreciate that you count us among the the good ones as as we stand as we stand here and do nothing donald as this frog this frog is now three quarters of the way in this monitor lizard he's sort of standing he's got his he's got his paws he's got his mitts up against the and I don't know what he's waiting for. I don't know whether he's just savoring this situation or whether he's waiting for the thing to die or whether he's, like, all those septic juices in his mouth or waiting to, like, dissolve it or whatever. Yeah. The other thing that I've been seeing people talk about, and I'm just curious for your for your sense of this as a black man, like, one of the things that I've been hearing is, like, I mean, a number of things from white from various white people because white people are various... If you don't like what's happened, don't talk about moving to Canada. Like, you need to get your body between the government and populations that are now at risk, whether those be immigrant populations, whether those be uh, LGBT populations, whether those be African-American or Im- uh, immigrant groups. When you, when you hear that, how do you, how do you respond to that? I like white people. Um, some of my best friends are white. <laughs> Uh, I like white people. They're great. Um, and so I once was... Uh, I, once I don't like white people very much right now. But they're, they're all right, man. They're all right. So like... Uh, he just ate, He just finished eating it. It's in his, The whole thing is in his mouth. That frog. I'm going to cut... I'm actually going to... What we're actually going to put online is only the nature parts of this. We're going to remove <laughs> all of the political conversation. We're just going to... Yeah, and then it'll still come through. People will be like, wow. Geez. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, you were telling me about white people. Oh, yeah. So white people, right? Um, a lot of times uh, when I write things, I'm writing to white people. Like a lot of my stories, a lot of my essays are me speaking directly to white people. A lot of times there is sometimes uh, marginalized populations get angry and then we start to uh, say, fuck white people or something like that. Um, but we kind of need them. Like... <laughs> I feel like in a lot of instances, white people are more inclined to listen to white people than voices who have been more oppressed, right? I don't think America needs smart, intelligent, compassionate white people to leave. It needs smart, intelligent, compassionate white people to stay. They are going to be pushed in a position over the next four years to do a lot of work. Um, and they have the opportunity to do a lot of good. How do, you, like, how do you imagine that? What do you imagine that work looking like? Like daily life, white people have to speak to other white people in a compassionate way to try to change them. I feel like they're going to have to sort of preach. I think another reason why Trump won is 
people who were indecisive or who were th- uh, who appealed to Trump for things that sound kind of like a good idea, like Trump is talking about term limits or stopping the TPP, like that those things that appealed to some Trump voters. Um, those Trump voters were being called deplorable and terrible, and so like children they doubled down they were like don't call me stupid i'm gonna do something stupid <laughs> like don't don't talk to me that way i literally had friends saying don't tell me how to vote robert downey jr <laughs> so they like went the other way so we're gonna need white populations that are sympathetic to approach those on the fringe and try to like rope them in um i feel like the civil rights movement Part of the reason, part of its successes were the fact that, like, during the Million Man March, there were white people in that crowd, too. Stuff shifts when white people get involved with the fight. That's just how it is. I guess the way capitalism and social, like, social stratification, the way these things shape our lives, there aren't a whole lot of opportunities to meet uh, Trump voters. (laughs) Even though some were, like, upper class. Um, well, obviously. <laughs> Must be. Um, but, yeah, so you end up getting into these bubbles. Everybody gets locked into these bubbles. Um, and it's hard to meet someone from another bubble. And it's even harder to have a conversation without immediately thinking um, every question is an attack. Um, there have been times where I've tried to ask Republican friends questions like when i go back to the states and they just immediately think when when i ask you why you're voting for trump i'm not trying to i just really want to know like i'm curious i'm not trying to attack you so it's hard to break out of these bubbles and to see a, a bigger picture of america of how people feel um yeah i mean Maybe the, the the last last act of our conversation here, as as the uh, yeah. that fucking monitor lizard has wandered off and is is just sitting with it that hopefully dead frog in its belly and its gullet right now. Um, I guess I want to just for a second talk about Thailand. So I, when we were we were sitting in the park last time, talking about trying to wrap you know a few days after the um, the Thai king had passed, and we were talking about our sort of trying to wrap our heads around what that what that meant for the country and how people were responding to that and what it meant for a country to be in mourning. Uh, I don't know, man, back to Kathy's point, I feel like it was that kind of conversation about Thailand that like created this reality. Cause I like, I really did start, I did feel like I was conscious of it as I was, you know, like, you know, like after about 10 AM, I was resigned to what was happening. Like it had not all come to pass, but at like 10 AM. So 10 PM Eastern time, I was just like, this shit is done. Like I have to resign myself to it. So I was like wandering around, was just wandering around trying to like figure out a way to like figure out how to get my head right and it definitely like occurred to me i was like this is what it means to 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 feel part of of a public mourning this is what it feels like to have your idea of your country um of your of your your sense of yourself as as a citizen of a place to have that be to be uh i don't know what the right term is like destroyed turned uh confounded subverted you know like i don't you know like i definitely felt that way and i i don't know whether it's occurred to you at all on that or i don't know how you would i don't know how how would you how would you compare what what you're feeling or what you feel like maybe other 
American, like liberal Americans are feeling about what has happened to what Thailand is going through now that their their beloved monarch who has represented the idea of Thailand for for so long um, has has passed. How, how do you how do you think about that? Or, or am I often left field on that comparison? I think there's a there's an immediate like uh, example and that anybody can see online, right? So a lot of Thai people they blacked out their social media. They chose a black box, black cover letter or cover uh, photo when the king passed. After the election, a bunch of Americans uh, did they blacked out their Facebook too. A black image profile picture, a black uh, cover photo. My wife, she had a black a blacked out Facebook after the passing, and now she's like, well, I guess I'm gonna leave it longer. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's your your wife is really. I mean, she's not here for, to speak for herself, so I don't want to ask you to to speak on her behalf inappropriately. But she's getting it both ways yeah. on this because she's she's Thai, but she voted in this election yeah, her right first her, her, her first vote so, so she's like she's she is done yeah i had to talk her off the ledge like she she's just like you know forget that place it, everything i thought it represented it doesn't she's a she's a staunch feminist and so she like one of her first questions was why does america hate me uh why does it hate people of color and why does it hate women i was like i don't know but it does <laughs> i don't know clearly it does and I do know it's 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 just you know it was founded on these patriarchal, racist foundings like, and that's not going to go away. That's part of its DNA. We could slowly change it. And yeah, I'm not one of those cynical people that say there's been no progress. Um, there has been progress. This though, this is a tragedy because it's such a huge jump backwards. Like it's. If this was a battle, if this was a war, right? This this was a gigantic loss, just a huge, and there's going to be tons of casualties. And so, yeah, how I see a lot of people's statuses in America mirroring the same comments I saw from Thai people here, and it just goes further into that surreality. Just um, <laughs> two homelands going through a loss yeah like our podcast made it happen i was like uh the universe has given the podcast you know some some excellent fodder we wish this into existence i guess our bad sorry guys i don't know there's so many like the parallels are are truly uncomfortable because i found myself thinking what i would say is sort of a, a yellow shirt like thought you know like the yellow shirts in thailand are 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 establishment um, upper middle class, mostly Bangkokian, roy- royalists or monarchists, but that's not like their de- their defining feature. But but very much pro-establishment. And so there was part of me that in the in the wake of all of this, in the wake of of not the majority of Americans, but but a lot a shit ton of Americans, uh, of ordinary Americans, citizens, saying this is who you know working within the system. This is who we want to be in charge. Um, there was part of me that was like, well, maybe. There are enough smart liberal elite people that can figure out a way to make this not happen, you know, like way to like make the electoral college like place them behind the behind the scenes. Like I I had that thought, and I I hate that. Yeah. I hate because that was the sort of thing. 
even without the example of Thailand, but like, but in, in relation to Thailand, that was the sort of attitude that, you know, like the whole shut down Bangkok idea of like, of like, well, we can't trust the electorate. This person that was elected, you know, Young Luk Shinawat, who was elected on a populist platform, she can't be trusted because the, you know, she's a liar, but also the people that, you know, she was just manipulating the attitudes of, of uneducated people. And so, you know, we need to find a way to reform the, the constitution and like rig, rig it in such a way that that can never happen again. And like, I hated, I hated that. I hated that idea and I've, I have mocked it. But I found myself like, I found myself like with a, not even a kernel, a bit of that idea of like, wow, is there some way that like we can make all of these people's voices not count? <laughs> you know, like I definitely had that thought. And like, that's a, like, that's, so like that's, that screwed up. And then I also just have this sense where I've also thought of like, wow, like, you know, now that the king has passed, Thailand's really got to got to figure itself out. This is an opportunity. You know, this is an opportunity to really sort of, it's going to be tough, but like, but it had to go through this process to figure this out. You know, so obviously the, the parallels, you know, should be there. It should be clear about what, you know, now I'm like, oh, like, but why am I not looking? I mean, I think there, there are plenty of, of good reasons I'm not, but it, so yeah, I just find myself in the, I don't know, I feel, I feel humbled. And I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm, you know, so I'm moving back in, in December and we're trying to figure out where the, what the podcast is going to do, you know, between now and then and, and how we're going to finish up the second season. But it has definitely occurred to me, it's not a bad, like, it's not a bad extension of the podcast yeah. for me to go with my microphone to that foreign fucking country. Yeah. Like Trumplandia, right? Yeah. And like start interviewing some people yeah. there in that foreign land and report back to you here. Yeah. You know, report oh, back yeah. to the Thai people of like what I have discovered in this foreign land of like, I feel like I'm moving to a foreign country. I'm like an expatriate twice over. How would you explain what has happened or how have you explained what has happened to Thai students or to Thai, Thai people? I usually say, yes, uh, he won. He appealed to several diverse populations in the nation that felt that the America that they knew was vanishing and so here we are and so then when they asked me what comes next I was like I, I'm, I tried to be fairly honest I say uh, what I think comes next is a lot of a lot of minorities a lot of a lot of marginalized voices are going to be further oppressed there are going to be dark days ahead. So I feel like the poor are going to suffer, firstly. Um, women are going to suffer completely. Um, we just said it's cool to have a dude who is accused of sexual assault. We said that's cool. Just, uh, I feel so, my female friends just, we straight up just said, we don't care about you. We straight up said to little girls, to women across America, yeah, it's just locker room talk. It's cool. Get over it. We literally said that. Um, so, yeah, women will suffer. I feel like um, the gay population is going to have it rough. I don't see why if somebody like Mike Pence and you have a Republican House and Senate, I don't see why they wouldn't try to go after marriage equality. I don't see why they wouldn't try to go after rights that are going to... I don't see why they wouldn't try to go after... Policy, or make policies that would hurt trans people um, and hurt gay people. Oh, man. So, no, people try and tell people to calm down. It's going to, there's a wave of bad shit that can happen. It's funny because we're going to go have lunch, and that's just a physiological thing that we need to do. <laughs> I thought we should have this conversation on the podcast. I didn't, 
I did not have a sense that it was like going to make me feel better. And I'm sitting here, and I think it's good to talk. I'm glad that we were talking, and you know, I'm sticking this microphone in your face, so you know, <laughs> we've got we got a record of that. But but I don't think feeling better is the, the objective. But I guess I'll, I will just end by saying one of the, you know, I've talked on the podcast a lot about my my struggle with depression and my struggle with anxiety, and one of the, the strange things that I've been experiencing with this is I'm no longer suffering acutely from those conditions. Um, but I've been feeling a lot of despair, I've been feeling a lot of sadness, I've been feeling a lot of fear. Um, and one of the things that when you're depressed or when you're anxious, one of the things that you, you feel a certain way and then you seek evidence for it in the world and, and, you, and you often invent that evidence or you really stretch something to really fulfill like, you know, a reason to feel sad or a reason to hate yourself or a reason to, to be fearful. And now, like, the world is just providing that in spades. I feel like I'm back in a depressive and anxious reality not of my own creation or to be to be more to be more responsible of of our collective american responsibility um so yeah any closing thoughts about these pigeons or anything yeah why why are we surrounded by pigeons right now like some type of omen So we're not going to go into any uh, deeper analysis of ourselves or uh, analyze our reflections any further. You've heard <laughs> enough from us over the last few minutes. Over the next couple of weeks, we will be posting interviews that we've done with uh, artists here in Bangkok, and uh, we'll be recording uh, new interviews via Skype, and maybe we might even do uh, some in person. We're going to see if what we can what we can put together uh, when uh, Donald and I find ourselves in the United States of America in uh, the new cool. year. You can find uh, more of our reflections and information about the podcast by going uh, to poetinbangkok.com and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Do consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes if you really dig the podcast. It really helps us to reach new listeners. And if you like what we're doing here and you want to support us even more, uh, go to patreon.com slash poet in Bangkok or follow the link from our website. There you can get yourself a uh, rad t-shirt with Donald and Colin on Mars drawn by Kathy McLeod. And for a larger donation, we'll even bring you on the show to talk about superhero teas, American politics, turtles, really whatever. Donald's dogs, for example. Yeah. Hold on a minute. No, no, no. I like the dogs in the background. <laughs> Bun. <laughs> Bun. Come on, man. You're killing me. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been listening to the podcast and has written us about it. Um, we appreciate it. Thanks to everybody who supported us on Patreon. And thanks to Anna and Pete for their support. And to Isotope for the great sound editing software. Thanks to Martin Pavlinich and his band Reports for our music. Tell your friends about us. Whether they are into arts in Southeast Asia, the failings of the U.S. Electoral College, alien flowers or just quirky podcasts in this tumultuous era of missions to mars and whether you live in siem reap or guangzhou amityville or santiago we hope you'll keep listening to what we get up to here on poet in bangkok or bangor later guys we'll see you next time nice touch <laughs> poet, poet in bangor <laughs> i'm gonna get my ass kicked
<laughs> good, l- good luck, dude. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs>